As we continue our service this morning, I just want to take a moment to thank the members of our staff and our worship team who, who came in this morning. I want to thank Jay Ha and Tom Dooling and Dason and Ross. I want to thank uh, Sylvia and Abel, our household staff who are here. I want to thank Greg Sladen. I want to thank Joe for being here. You know, Joe, I, I knew that Joe was going to be here this morning because Joe moved to Texas from Vermont. And so this kind of weather did not scare him. It did not even phase him one bit. And so we're, we're so glad that all of these guys are here as well as our ushers who are here and you all who are with us. And we want to thank again, everybody who's online. You know, it's been a, an interesting weekend trying to figure out whether or not we were going to have in-person church or if we were going to go totally online. I remember several years ago when I was a pastor in a small country church outside of Richmond, Virginia. And if you've been watching the weather channel, you know, they are just getting a huge ice storm and snowstorm right Right now in Richmond, but I remember we one uh, one winter when we had about eight inches of snow in one day, and I was I was going to the church on Sunday morning in my little Honda, trying to get to the church to figure out if we could have church or not in person. That was before the days of live streaming and all those technologies were available. And as I pulled into the church, I was barely able to get in. I'd fishtailed all the way there for about five miles. And I was in the parking lot and I was about to make the call to say that we couldn't have church. And then just a few minutes later, one of my elders drove up in a great big Jeep. And a few minutes later, another drove up in a Suburban and then all these SUVs started to show up. And it was all the elders of our church who had driven down to the, uh, to the church to, to see how things looked, to see if everything was okay. And so we had an impromptu session meeting, an impromptu meeting of, of the Council of Elders right there in our parking lot in the snow. And one of them said, well, Bob, I don't know what you're planning on doing, but it's obvious that we can't have church because nobody can get here. I thought to myself, well, you all seem to have made it just fine, so we'll have church just with us. And that's what we did. Um, a few others joined us, but the point is that no matter where we are, we are the body of Christ. And wherever two or more are gathered in my name, and even if you are by yourself and you are with us this morning, we are gathered together to worship the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, today, uh, in addition to being a snow day, in addition to being a day of ice storms and things like that, today is also another very special day on many people's calendars. Today is also Valentine's Day. And if you didn't remember that it was Valentine's Day today, I'm just telling you, I'm giving you a heads up right now. Maybe it's not too late to do something special for that person you love. But, but one of the things that, that we remember about Valentine's Day is that it is a day to express the love we have for one another. And one of the ways that we've been expressing the love we have for one another over the last few months is that we have all been keeping our distance socially. We've been washing our hands and we've all been wearing face masks to prevent the spread of the coronavirus. We've been doing that to show not only that we want to keep ourselves healthy, but that we love one another and that this is an act of love for one another. But, but I have a member of the congregation who's actually taken this to a next level, and she wanted me to show my love for you on this Valentine's Day by wearing a very special Valentine's Day face mask. I want to thank Becca Price for giving me an early Valentine's Day gift by giving me my own Valentine's Day face mask. I won't wear it during the whole sermon. Uh, I won't even wear it for long, but I thought, well, I've got to thank Becca for it because this is really cool. I'm, I will wear it the rest of the day and thank you for sharing that with me. 
And I wanted to bring up the fact that today is a day we think about love. It's a day we talk about love. And to point to our scripture passage today, because our scripture passage today is about love in action. So if you will, turn to your online bulletin or look at the bulletin that you have in your pews or just turn in your scripture, in your Bible to Mark chapter one, beginning in verse 29. We're going to read a story following this upon the story that we read last week, beginning in Mark chapter one, verse 29. And immediately Jesus left the synagogue and entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law lay ill with a fever and immediately they told him about her. And he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up and the fever left her and she began to serve them. That evening at sundown, they brought to him all who were sick or oppressed by demons and the whole city was gathered together at the door. And he healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons and he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God endures forever. Let us pray. Oh Lord, you, your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Speak, Lord, for your servants are listening and may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be holy and acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. For it is in the name of your son, our precious Lord and savior, Jesus Christ, and by the power of the Holy Spirit that we pray, amen. In our last episode, Mark tells us that Jesus came into the town of Capernaum and taught in the synagogue. And last week we read that the people were amazed at the authority with which he spoke. He wasn't like any other teacher. He spoke with an ancient wisdom and an intelligence so deep that his words seemed to have force. They seemed to have weight and substance as inevitable as gravity. Now, an author whose every word becomes and transforms reality. That's what it was like. And no one who ever heard him could ever be the same again. But we also read that the people were not the only ones who were amazed by Jesus and by his teaching. There was another entity in the synagogue that day. Mark says that a man came into the synagogue who was possessed by a demon. Mark says that he had an unclean spirit. And immediately, when this man with the unclean spirit came into the room, the power and the presence of the Son of God overwhelmed that thing and forced it to break cover. And it recoiled in terror and it shrieked, what have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are. You're the Holy One of God. And then with nothing but the authority of his will and his words, the Son of God flushed it out and ejected that unholy parasite from God's child and from God's house. He said, be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit convulsing him and crying out with a loud voice came out of him. And the scripture says that the people were in awe. They were all amazed so that they questioned among themselves saying, what is this? A new teaching with authority. He commands even the unclean spirits and they obey him. 
And what we talked about last week was what we had witnessed, what they witnessed was a new kind of authority because this was the authority of the author. The difference between the teaching of Jesus and that of the scribes is that Jesus taught with the authority of the author. The scribes taught with the authority of people who had read the book. But Jesus taught with the authority of the one who wrote the book. And the people who heard Jesus recognized that he taught with an authority that set his teaching on a level unthinkable to the scribes and the other teachers of the law because his teaching carried the authority of God himself. So that story that we read last week focused on the authority of Jesus. This week, we get what I believe is not a separate story, but part two of the same story. This story too is about the authority of Jesus, but it also shows us that the one who has true authority, that is to say godly authority, expresses that authority in love. In our reading today, we see that Jesus and the disciples left the synagogue and went to Simon Peter's house, where they found his mother-in-law lying sick with some unnamed fever. Now, we all know that it wasn't all that long ago that we would hear of somebody with a fever and just say, oh, well, you know what, go take some Tylenol or get lots of fluids and get lots of rest. And if it doesn't get better, then just go see your doctor. By the way, did you get your flu shot? Things have changed quite a bit in 2020 and 2021, haven't they? A fever is no longer no big deal. Nowadays, we take it a little more seriously. And you can't walk into a store or a restaurant without having your temperature taken. It's not unlike the days back when Jesus walked the earth. Back then, any fever could be fatal. It was a thing to be dreaded. They did not treat it casually like we used to. But did you notice that when Jesus cast out the demon, it was different from when he cast out, when he cured Peter's mother-in-law. There was Peter's mother-in-law, but Jesus, with no fear of hesitation or fear of contagion, took her hand and then he lifted her up. And the, the way it reads is that it's not just that he lifted her up by the hand, but he just sort of took her and lifted her up. He embraced her. Think about lifting someone from a hospital bed. You don't just, you don't just jerk them up by the wrist. You take them in your arms. And did you see that the difference between his healing of Peter's mother-in-law and casting out the demon. When he cast out the demon, he freed that man simply by the power of his words. But this time, when Jesus heals Peter's mother-in-law, he does it by the tenderness of his touch. And he does it with his embrace. It's not like that every time he performs a healing miracle, but this was Peter's mother-in-law. This was part of his best friend's family. And I love the fact that the first detailed account that we have of a healing miracle in Mark's gospel, gospel is so personal. Jesus takes her in his arms. He takes her in his embrace. He takes her by the hand and he lifts her up. It's almost like he hugged the fever out of her. 
To me, that's a reminder that healing is a gift and it is deeply personal. To to illustrate this, let me share the opposite. One of my professors, Dr. Charlie Brown, was suffering with cancer. And at a very low point, he told me this. He said, cancer is the ultimate betrayal. It's like your own body has turned against you. Deep, real sickness is personal. It affects the mind. It affects the spirit as well as the body. And if deep sickness is personal, then so is healing. Healing is personal. It is an interaction that takes place on our most intimate levels. That's why we feel so much relief and gratitude for healing. That's why we hold doctors and nurses and dentists and technicians and other healers of every description in such trust and such esteem and with such tender affection. We love our healers because they give us a very personal gift. And the healing of Peter's mother was personal. I mean, who would not deploy such a power if you had it to help a friend in need? And so Jesus took that same authority that he used to cast out the demon and he healed personally his best friend's mother-in-law. But he didn't stop there. Then Jesus took that same authority and that same healing power and that same love and he went from personal to public. He took it outside. Three lines later, Mark records that Jesus cured whole crowds of people. That evening at sundown, they brought to him all who were sick or oppressed by demons and the whole city was gathered together at the door. And he healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. And he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. Healing gets people's attention. And Jesus' fame was spreading. That crowd may not have heard about Peter's mother-in-law yet, But by the time these people had heard about the incident at the synagogue, they were ready to find Jesus and ask for his help. Timothy Keller writes that a few days after this touch cured a man, after this, his touch cured a man with leprosy. And by the middle of chapter two, everyone was amazed saying, we've never seen anything like this. The deaf hear, the blind see, and the lame walk. You know, there are in fact 30 healings recorded in the Gospels, all showing us that Jesus has authority over sickness. And over the first few chapters of his Gospel, Mark goes on to stack up layer upon layer of evidence to show that Jesus' authority extends to every realm of life. Jesus' authority extends to every realm of life, not just the spiritual, but to the physical. And he exercises that authority through acts of love. You see, these these stories of healing and casting out demons are not just miracle stories designed to impress and amaze. They are events designed to establish the character and the breadth of Christ's authority. 
And at this point in the story, Mark is setting up an important lesson for us. And the lesson is this, that in the life of Jesus, we're going to see that real authority is expressed in real love. Not just love as a healing, excuse me, not just love as a feeling, but love as healing. This is not just love as sympathy, but the kind of love that makes a real and real-time difference in the lives of real people. People flocked to Jesus because they heard that he could make a difference in their lives. And that's the healing that Jesus brings. Now, up to this point, Jesus had been proclaiming the kingdom of God. But I'm sure there were lots of people who were asking, what kind of kingdom is this going to be? And that's why this is a defining moment. In this episode, we see that the kingdom of God is one that is going to be spread on the wings of testimony by the good news of liberation and healing. It's not going to be spread by armies and conquest. It's going to be spread by people whose lives have been changed. It's going to be based on restoration and reconciliation rather than revenge and reckoning. And then Mark gives us a very interesting but critical detail. Even though Jesus' fame was spreading, the story tells us that he healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. But he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. Now we have to ask, if Jesus was trying to establish the presence of God's rule on earth, why would he silence the demons? Why wouldn't he allow them to tell as well? Why didn't he allow them to speak? I think it's for this reason. He silences the demons because he's not seeking fame and because he did not want his power to be more famous than his passion and his compassion. He wanted to be known for his love, not for his dominance. And we'll be talking more about that in the weeks to come. But Keller points out that these healings and exorcisms show that Jesus not only has the authority over the supernatural world, he also has the authority over the natural world. Jesus is concerned with and king over all the physical world, Keller writes, not just the spiritual world. It's not simply a claim of authority, which we have in calling of the disciples and the authoritative teaching, but it's also a clear proof and exercise of Jesus's authority. He shows himself a real power over sickness. Just a touch of his hand and the fever is cured. And this happens over and over again. Jesus shows that he not only has supernatural authority, but authority over nature itself. But again, we have to notice this, that Christ's authority he expresses through love. Our late beloved pastor, Dr. Lewis Abendon, once said this. He once said that powerless love is stronger than loveless power. Jesus was that truth, that statement made flesh. 
There's a great line in J.R.R. Tolkien's classic book, The Lord of the Rings. The wise wizard Gandalf poses the question, anyone can take a life, but can you give life? Real power is expressed, not in the power to destroy, but in the power to create, because the power to create is greater than the power to destroy. Think about it this way. An author is someone who creates a story, who creates a world, who creates characters. And to some degree, therefore, an author is a creator. But compare that to a critic. A critic is someone who does nothing but break down what another has created. And the critic cannot even exist without the creator because he would have nothing to critique. And so the creator even creates his own critics. And God's authority, the authority of love, the authority of Jesus Christ, is the authority of the creator, not the critic. Real authority and this godly authority comes from real love, real power, excuse me, expressed in real love. Real authority comes from real power expressed in real love. Tolkien has another great line in another one of his books, The Return of the King. He says, the king's hands are healing hands, and thus shall the rightful king be known. Jesus is the true king with real authority, because Jesus Christ is the king with healing in his hands. Jesus Christ became the living proof of God's authority because he became the living example of power expressed in love. He proved God's love for us. Paul writes, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's how Christ proved God's love. And he proved his power to make a difference in our lives now and forever by raising Jesus Christ from the dead. God proved his love for us by becoming one of us and he proved his power to make a difference in people's lives by healing and teaching and setting people free. Jesus' power was expressed in his love. And Peter himself would one day write that he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree so that we might be dead to sin and alive to righteousness. And listen to this, he says, by his wounds, we have been healed. By his wounds, we have been healed. A true king, a true leader, is someone who restores and heals a people who restores and heals them from grievances and wounds, who draws people beyond division to reconciliation by uniting them in a higher purpose. It's not someone who just talks about unity, but someone who actually deploys his power in love and in wisdom to make that unity a reality. A true leader, a disciple and follower of Jesus is someone who operates out of the authority of love rather than the love of authority. The Apostle Paul wrote 
that if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains but have not love, I am nothing. There is no legitimate authority, no godly authority without love. Jesus had all the power and authority in the world, but he didn't use that world to divide and deceive, to distract or manipulate or destroy. Jesus used the power and authority that he had for love. He used it for truth. He used it for restoration, for reconciliation, for encouragement and empowerment. Now, walking with his teacher, with his friend, his Savior, and his Lord, Peter came to understand something very important. He said, for to this have you been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example, so that you might follow in his steps. Peter is saying, we have seen what Christ did for us, how he exercised his authority and love. Now we are to follow in his steps. You know who I think taught him that lesson as well as Jesus? I think it was also his mother-in-law that taught him that lesson. Because listen again to what happens in that room. After Jesus heals Peter's mother-in-law, Mark writes that he lifted her up and the fever left her and she began to serve them. What Mark wants us to understand, what Peter wants us to understand is that Jesus Christ came to serve us, to set the example for the service he wants us to render to others. And the mission of Jesus is the mission of the church. Jesus Christ did not come just to save his people. He came to empower us with the authority to, to deploy his healing power and the love of God to the world. Now, over the last few months, we've all watched as a tent city of homeless people grew up just a block away under the I-35 overpass. It's, pro it's estimated that approximately 100 to 150 people were living there in tents and makeshift shelters. Last week, in partnership with ministries and services all over the city, the city rightfully and respectfully vacated the area to clean it up and to try and get people to take advantages, advantage of the services and the resources that are available to them. But as we know, that tent city is starting to come back. Here's the sad thing. There are warm beds and hot food available. But unfortunately, many of the people who live there are there because their problems and wounds are deep. They're long-term issues. And they need more than food and shelter. They need long-term healing. They need relationships. They need to be healed from mental illness and drug addiction and broken relationships. And that's why we as a church 
partner with ministries like Christian Assistance Ministry and SAM and Haven for Hope and the Faith-Based Institute. That's why we partner with the, the San Antonio Hope Center and Any Woman Can and our own Kingdom Restoration Collaboration downstairs because we are trying to help people get from under the bridge to find the healing and the freedom that they need. We're not trying to help people stay under the bridge. We wanna see healing so that they can get out from under the bridge. The mission of the church, the power of the gospel is not just feeding power. It's not just sheltering power, it is healing power. It's not just a call to feed people for a day, but to look for and work for long-term restoration. Our mission is not to promote programs to keep people busy, but to embrace those for whom the fever of life has become overwhelming. Those who have become isolated and lonely because of the pandemic. Those who are scared about the future of our country. Those who are struggling with depression and addiction and contemplating suicide or couples whose marriages are on the edge of divorce. So the question I wanna ask is how can we train up our children and our students in the truth of the Lord? How can we help college students and young adults to navigate the responsibilities of career and marriage and parenthood? How can we encourage and empower those in middle age who are both raising children and taking care of aging parents? And how can we bless the seniors who have blessed us in innumerable ways? How can we bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ? If Jesus has authority over the supernatural world and Jesus Christ has authority over the natural world, that means that in our lives and in our world, he is not just Lord in all the matters of Sunday and religion, that he's not just Lord on this day, but he is our Lord 24 hours a day, seven days a week. He is the Lord of our money, our relationships, our politics, and everything else. We have the resources, the gifts, and the opportunity to make a difference. Jesus used the power and authority he had to make a difference in the lives of people that he knew and loved personally, but he also used it publicly to make a difference in the lives of his neighbors. How are we demonstrating the authority of Christ through our love? How can we exercise that love and power personally to our own circles and to our own families? And how can we exercise that love and power publicly in a way that heals and restores and reconciles our neighborhoods, our city, our country, and even our church? Let's remember that today, Valentine's Day, a day that we think about love, that we are called to think about the love of Jesus Christ, about his authority and the power, the resources, the opportunity that we have, a have to make a difference in the lives of those around us. Will you pray with me? Holy God, we thank you that today, on this Valentine's Day, you have turned our minds, our hearts, our attention to the topic of love. Lord, we ask you to see, help us to see beyond the definition of love as a romantic thing or as a 
as a holiday and rather to think of it, O oh Lord, as an authority, authority equipped with power to make a difference in the lives, not only of those we love, but the lives of our neighbors. Lord, help us to understand that we as the church are called not only to, not only to feed, but to heal. That we are called to speak truth and that we are called, O oh Lord, to build relationships, to make a lasting difference in people's lives. We pray these things in the name of your Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and by the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen.